You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello! Welcome to Animal Party with Deborah Wolf. Today we have a great show for you. We're going to take a walk on the cat side of town today. That's right, it's a cat party. Bring your felines and your cat-friendly dogs only, because today's party is all about cats. We're going to have on later in the show, Caroline Coyle, PhD, author of Why Do Cats Bury Their Poop? Now, my son was sick this week. He was home from school. And I was telling him that I had to read this book called Why Do Cats Bury Their Poop? And he didn't believe me. He said, that's not what it's called. That's not what it's called. So then I brought the book down and showed him. And he read it himself. Why do cats bury their poop? And he started laughing. He thinks this has got to be the funniest book in the world. So uh, that's a good start to the interview today. Why do cats bury their poop? But also, what's, what's going on with the purr? Do they have... Do they get hiccups? Can you tickle a cat? There's so many questions in here. All these weird little questions that you always wondered about cats. We're going to get to ask and have answered today. So if you've ever thought that cats were a little strange, then this is this is definitely your cat party. You can find out just how strange they are. And we're going to find out things like, well, do cats get appendicitis? Have you ever wondered that? So <laughs> that's what the party's going to be like today. And... Uh, Get your party shoes on, get your party clothes on, get your cats all ready, brush them out, get them looking good. We're going to listen to our sponsors, and when we come back, we'll be talking about cats. Join the party, the cat party. Don't leave this party before it's over, because the best is yet to come. Only losers leave the party early anyway. Party on, back in a few. Be sure to tune in when Pet Life Radio goes live from Global Pet Expo, the world's largest annual pet products trade show. March 25th through the 27th, you can catch all the new products coming out for our pets before they even hit store shelves. From the latest in all-natural and eco-friendly products to the most elegant in pet pampering and high-tech innovations from companies all over the globe. It's at Global Pet Expo. Nearly 800 companies will be displaying new and exciting products to make time with our pets even better. Tune in March 25th through the 27th for everything Global Pet Expo. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, 
Tom Doc. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. You're inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. Welcome back to Animal Party. Hello and ciao meow to all our cats who've arrived for the party. Today we're going to be talking to Caroline Coyle, PhD, author of Why Do Cats Bury Their Poop? And other books, too. In fact, I believe the latest count, it's 31 books. I know at the back of the book of this one, it says 29, but I understand she's written two books since the publishing of this one. So why do cats bury their poop? Hmm. Caroline, why does someone write a book called Why Do Cats Bury Their Poop? I don't know. You know, sometimes I look at that title and I'm like, was this really the best title they could have come up with? It's great. Oh, it's so catching. My son would buy it in a second. I know. It's like, oh, no, is this really what I want all my friends to think that I go around thinking about? But then again, it is. That's another weird question. So what can I expect? Well, the book is is really interesting. I mean, it's just little things like, okay, here's one. The foot pad. Halfway up the cat's body. Halfway up his army, he's got this little toe, this little foot pad that's... What? Why? Why does a cat have a foot pad halfway up its toe? What possible purpose could that serve? You're talking about the little, yeah, that thing on the back of their wrist, and it's called yeah. In a dog, you call it a dew claw, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Well, well, they have the toe, which is different, but this is the little pad that just sticks out there, and you're thinking, what? What is that for? You would, you'd never figure it out unless you saw like stop action photography of a cat at a full gallop, and you know. That wrist joint, it doesn't look like it can do this, but actually it it smashes at a right angle when they are galloping, and that, uh. pad, that wrist pad is actually in contact with the ground, so it's protecting the back of the wrist. It's sort of like your heel. Wow. They are so flexible. So their they leg bends that much that it's, wow, that's no, amazing. It, it looks that's like they've broken amazing. their leg in pictures. Okay. Well, here's one I get asked almost every time I do a live show. Someone asks me this. They ask me something like, uh, what is a cat purr or how does a cat purr or um, what, what benefit does a cat purr have or why do cats purr? So can you talk to us about purring? What's it all about? Well, people have been wondering that for ages. And if I could really give you the correct answer... I'd be written yeah. famous, but, know. <laughs> you know, and people have been trying to figure out what makes the purr, you know, is it like some special purr organ? No. Is it, you know, blood that pulses in a certain way? That's what I was taught when I was a kid, but the answer is actually no. So it does seem to be something that happens in there between the chest cavity and, and the larynx, the voice box that causes pressure changes in the windpipe, but, but that doesn't explain why they purr. We think of them as purring when they're happy, which is true, but they also purr, if you've had the misfortune to have a sick cat or an injured cat, they'll sit there and they'll be purring, and you're thinking, are they a masochist? But no, um, there's actually a theory that they also purr because it helps them heal themselves. If In people, if you apply low-frequency sounds right around the range that the purr is occurring at, which is like 25 times a second, 
there's actually evidence that it in decreases their pain and swelling and actually increases the tissue growth and repair. So it's possible that this purring is making them feel better and helping them heal themselves at the same time. Well, I think it's been discovered that the frequency of the purr actually matches the frequency of ultrasound. When you set Ah, an ultrasound mm -hmm. machine to heal someone, you're setting it at the same frequency. And they kind of were surprised by that. But I also want to just add here that wildcats purr when they've made a kill. And some have thought that that has something to do with subduing their prey or comforting their prey or mesmerizing their prey. I don't know. I don't know. That's if it does or doesn't theory. do. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought the next time I'm sick, if I have, you know, I'll put my purring cat on myself, maybe scratch him a little bit, maybe he'll heal me and I won't have to go to the doctor. The well, you know, I found they climbed on me, um, particularly when I was pregnant. They wanted to be on top of the baby all the time, on top of the baby belly all the time. And it gets heavy. You know, you don't want a couple of cats <laughs> hanging on there. But um, I found they were always climbing on me then. And uh, I don't know what they were doing up there, but I'm sure my babies knew the sound of purring well before, you know, they were born. So well, I think that that's probably so a good thing. <laughs> that is so, neat. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? I've heard from, like, when I was pregnant, I had to stop doing some of the cat rescue work I do because when I would enter a cat rescue shelter or a place, instead of the usual reaction to me, which is sort of a, you know, some come right over and some swarm me and some investigate my things and all curiosity, there was, they would just run away. And uh, I was alarmed by this. And then, yeah, I, I did some research into it and found out that part of it is that when cats are pregnant, it's it's kind of a dangerous time for them. And so their general tendency when they smell that kind of smell is to get away from it. And oh. so I didn't, I wasn't able, I used to be the cat catcher, the one who could catch even the hardest to catch cats at the cat rescue place to get the pills and this kind of thing. And I couldn't do it. They just wouldn't come to me. So, um, so that was interesting. But my own cats were all over me. They were just terribly like Velcro cats. And uh-huh. the one pregnancy, it was summer and I had these fur Klingons all the time and I'm just boiling. But do you think that cats suffer from all the little things like the dog whistles and the, I always think of this, the car alarms that talk to the car, car keychains and all the things that we don't quite notice or hear anymore or maybe they're not even in our range, but I think they're bothering all the dogs of the world all the time and the birds and the marine mammals and like the sound pollution. Do you think that's a problem for cats? You know, I always wonder about that because we all know that especially like low-frequency sounds in these car boom boxes and stuff, they'll make you crazy. And studies have found that, yeah, they do actually affect the health of people. So if they affect the health of people, they're also affecting the health of cats and dogs and other household pets, even though they don't seem to be irritated by them like we do. And But you're talking also about like high-frequency sounds that we can't yeah. even hear. So they're subjected to even more things um you know it's like you turn your television on and you can often kind of hear this sort of high-pitched hum and we ignore it but i my poor dogs and cats they're probably just going out of their minds if, if that's going on and yeah cats can hear even higher frequencies than dogs they can hear the dog whistles they can hear those ultrasonic most of those ultrasonic like pests So is their hearing better? Are you telling me cats hear better than dogs, or just higher? Oh, better. I would say they actually hear better, but but most and they see better. We know they see better. Yeah, they they probably they see better, probably in a lot of ways than dogs do. There's actually a correlation. They don't smell as well, do they? They don't. No, but they smell they smell much better than 
they have a much better sense of smell than you would think. I was going to say, they smell a lot better than dogs, but everybody knows that. <laughs> hey, hey, watch it. Depends on the dog. Depends on the cat. Yeah. Some cats really stink. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but, but, what were you going to say but, about seeing? I was going to say, they can prob- they could probably be taught to, you know, follow a scent trail if you motivated them well enough. But I really don't see anyone, you know, chasing down criminals with their pack of cat man trailers. <laughs> no, they do follow scent trails, though, when you think about it. That's what they're doing when they're mousing. I mean, they're totally following the mouse. Exactly. It's completely mm-hmm. what they do. But um, what were you going to say about sight when, when I said... Oh, I... No, go like, ahead. We have so much we can talk about sight. You almost have to ask me a particular question because I'll go on and on about cat vision if you like. Okay, me. well, people like to think that cats can see in complete darkness, and I don't think they can. Is, is that no, a mis... you're right. They, oh. they can see. It's, I mean, it, it would appear to us to be the complete darkness, but the little receptors in the cat's eye, and your eye too, the rod receptors that are very sensitive to dim light, they still have to have little pieces, little photons of light uh, caught by them in order to react. The cat's eye is just made up, though, so it, yeah, everything about the design of a cat's eye is to see in low light. It's a big eye for their head. Um, okay. The lens in a cat's eye, where if you see a picture of a human eye and the lens is like this little tiny sliver thing, a cat's lens is almost round in his cornea on the outside of his eyes, almost round. And those two things gather light a lot better than your flat cornea and, and you know, little cornea and little lens. And then they have, um, once it gets to the back of the eye, the retina, they have almost all rod cells as opposed to our rods and cones. And cones are great for seeing color and, and detail. But so they do see great. color. They don't just see they, red and gray. They see color? They do see color, yes. They okay. see color like a colorblind person. What... The most common type of color blindness that people have is red-green color blindness. It's hereditary. Right. You see a lot of men with it, and they're called, this particular type is called a deuteranope, which means they're missing one of the three uh, color types of cones. They're missing, people have, most people have red, green, and blue. These people are missing they're green, and so are cats. And so when they see oh. something that's like a greenish-blue, it looks white to them, um, but they can tell blues apart from yellows and reds and greens, uh, but they, they sometimes... Uh, you know, it's almost point. philosophical, though, when you think about it, because if you were a person born like that, you really wouldn't know that it was any... No. I mean, it's, exactly. that's what you're used to. If you're seeing differences, and who's to say that a green tree is more beautiful than a white tree or a blue tree or, you know, whatever they're seeing? Like, if they see that the same way all the time, they'll see it as lush. You know, and it's just what we evolved to, because humans, our predecessors had to pick out ripe fruit. Color was very important for us. The same with birds. Color is important for them. But mammals that eat meat, the color of ripe fruit is not that important to them. It's much more important to see at night. And this is one of the reasons why they just they don't need that extra bit of color vision. They're, they're doing just fine with what they have. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to take a little commercial break. We're going to go and listen to our sponsors. I want to offer you a drink and some food and give your cats a brush while we take a little pause. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you, are some cats gay Well, we'll find out soon. Tune in after the break. Don't leave this party before it's over because the best is yet to come. Only losers leave the party early anyway. Party on. Back in a few. This valuable information 
information comes from your pet. There's nothing like a wagging tail or friendly paw to lift your mood. They're therapeutic and make us feel good. Studies show pets even reduce stress, prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and fight depression. So there you have it. Pets are a daily dose of good health and happiness. Pets add life. To learn more, visit petsadlife.org. How many pets is too many? Do you know somebody whose life is overwhelmed by their animals? Maybe we can help. We're looking for people to be in a new TV series about really large animal families. We can offer expert help, free resources, and the chance to tell their story. If you or someone you know owns a house full of animals, call us toll-free at 1-877-MY-8PETS. That's 1-877-MY-8PETS. Schools in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. You're, you're inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go! Okay, hello! You're back to the animal party. And our guest is Caroline Cole, PhD, author of Why Do Cats Bury Their Poop? And she's back from the party. She's here. I can hear her. I can see her. We're making our way over through all the people. Okay, here we go. Our cat's gay, Caroline. Can you tell us, are some cats gay? I don't know, really, but I can tell you that there's been evidence of homosexuality in something like almost 500 different species of animals. And so, you know, it would just be a stretch of the imagination to think that humans were the only species uh, in which we have a so-called gay behavior. And certainly it's not uncommon to see one male cat mounting another. Is that gay behavior, or are they just good friends? I don't know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Are they metrosexual cats or are they gay cats? I think that's probably hard to know. Okay. (laughs) Um, You know, that kind of touches on something I was reading in the news about birds. We always think of birds as these mate-for-life kind of animals, especially certain birds like swans. And as it turns out, they're just really good at putting up a good front. When they did DNA testing, 6 to 60% of the young were actually fathered by some other partner than the one that appeared to be the husband. So it's really interesting. There's only a couple animals left that they think truly are monogamous, beavers and pygmy marmosets. Pretty much everything else they tested, now they didn't test everything, but they tested a lot. Everybody else they tested, these were all animals or birds that were thought to be monogamous, <laughs> are just faking it. They're adulterers. They are, uh, they are secretly getting pregnant where they can or where they want, and they just keep the good provider uh, up <laughs> as the front. So I think that's really interesting. Oh, that is but, funny, yeah. You know, because the birds usually make the other mate do all this elaborate courtship and nest building so they have a oh, good yeah, bringing fish to off. the street. That's right. You've got to show you could bring a meal and make a nest and then they reject it and you got to dance, you got to sing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, a hey, whole you don't want to do that. And, and meanwhile, um, I'm going to go out <laughs> on a date. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you're off getting fish. She's getting pregnant. But maybe that's partly, I mean, the one who may be the best nurturer or nest builder may not necessarily be able to get her pregnant. And this might be a, a fail-safe to ensure they have lots of babies. Maybe the one who's getting everybody pregnant isn't that great at nest building. I don't know. But uh, when you think about dogs, you kind of think that, I'm sure most people can think of a time when they thought a dog was masturbating. They saw a dog humping somebody's leg, or they saw a dog humping the couch, or humping a fur coat, or doing something. That made everybody laugh with embarrassment, but was really quite yucky. Do cats do that? Yes, surprisingly. Although, um, probably, you know, I I have a dog now who you, you know. There's one pillow in the house. You have to pick up with tongs. You know, it's like oh gross. Dog. That would be the garbage for me. Oh my yeah. gosh, no way. But um, I yeah. never personally had a cat. That, actually, before this, I never had a dog that did it. But um, I've never had a cat that's yeah. done this myself. But but I hear stories. And it is true that, there, you know, you might come and there'll be a cat and he has a favorite pillow or stuffed animal and he's basically mounting it. And um, and also, they're, they they can be quite handy, so to speak. They can lie on their back and... Uh, yeah, they can reach everything. ...with his little toy between their legs. <laughs> yeah. So, so there goes no. the next question. Do cats perform oral sex? I guess they do. Is it always <laughs> on themselves or is it on each other's sometimes? I don't know. I don't, now, that I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I can I, tell you dogs perform oral sex on each other. It's a big part of the, the mating yeah. for fertility, it's mating involved with making puppies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fun. part of making it possible, making it so that the male can enter the female. So it's a huge part of it. But, um, but I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know with cats. Cats, okay, let's talk you about the cats. Cats have that, that, that tongue with all the little things on, yes. the barb on it. I'm yes. not thinking that would so be good. Maybe that wouldn't be good. <laughs> no, and it's got, don't they have an antiseptic in their saliva too? Well, that could be all right. But uh, the penis, tell me about yes. the cat penis. It is not what you would expect, is it? Well, you know, it's not like a barb, small. Yeah, they, it's um, the cat has a penis that you know. Not only is his tongue kind of barbed, so to speak, but his penis is barbed, so that once he's inserted it, when he goes to take it out, the barbs are facing the wrong way, and they scratch the inside of the cat, the female cat. This is you know probably one reason why all this yowling is going on. It doesn't feel good, um, but it stimulates her to ovulate, and and. Um, that's actually required for her to get pregnant. So mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting um, way that cats actually go about mating there. And I, you know, certainly doesn't seem like the optimal plan to me, <laughs> but it's, no. it's worked for them. There are plenty of cats around. <laughs> well, and I know it's true of tigers and lions and all kinds of cats, and that's why, sadly, they, these parts have been used for medicinal things. Oh. Just because people think, well, look at that powerful barb penis. I guess if I take extract of that, I will have a powerful penis. I mean, it's pretty nuts, but yeah. um, <laughs> it really yeah. is nuts. <laughs> that's what's been happening. So, okay, now I've read in books... And it always bugs me when I read what dogs can't do, especially when I disagree. And I've read that dogs can't point, which is just stupid. Then why do we have German short-haired pointers who clearly point? I mean, come on. That's nuts. And if you've ever had a retriever who's lost its stick and then you point where the stick is and the dog immediately goes and gets it, come on. You know, or a border collie and you point where you want it to run and it charges off at breakneck pace. And there's three things identical. You point to whatever one you point to, he's going to pick that one. I mean, come on, pointing. Yeah, they point. Well, I've also heard dogs can't count. 
that they can't, and that's also nonsense. I mean, any herding dog must be able to count. Any dog who minds children, cares about children, can count. They know when one's missing. You know, I mean, when you walk with your dog and your family and you split up, your dog goes back and forth, back and forth, that's because she can count. So what about cats? Can cats count? I think so. You know, I think cats can count just like dogs can count. You know, certainly if you take a kitten away from a, a mother cat, she's going to notice. I mean, but I don't know how she does. Does, does each one have a name? Does she count them? But, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. There was actually a long time ago there was some cat named Cutie Boy. He was supposed to be this, you know, Cutie Boy, the math genius cat. He could do all these sort of all right. math problems and bump his nose. So, you know, no, I don't think, I think Cutie Boy, you know, was a probably actor. had a trick going on there, kind of like yeah. Clever Hans the horse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah, I think cats can can count to some extent. If uh, I think if they... You know, when you say Hans the horse, it reminds me that there have been a few instances where the people putting off these hoaxes actually thought, they really believed the animal could do this trick. And it's yeah. because... The animal was so good at reading human behavior that it was figuring out the answer some other way. In, in my view, Hans the horse was actually smarter than if he'd actually understood the numbers because he was so good at reading humans. He always mm-hmm. came up with the right answer, even though he couldn't count. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's kind of interesting that sometimes, you know, the dog, uh, I remember there was one on the Carol Burnett show who she sent it into the audience to find people with, or the trainer, to find people with, you know, a red shirt and a green shirt and a blue shirt. And the dog was just amazing. And he didn't see color, of course. He was just, <laughs> He just could tell where he was being cute, you know, really, really subtly. It's amazing. Uh You think cats can count, though? You do. I think cats can count. I think when they expect, you know, if you show them three of something and and you take one away when they're not looking and they look again and it's like, hey, there's only two, I think they'll stare harder because they're thinking something is amiss here. This is not what I expected. And this is how you usually do experiments in animals to see if they can count, and babies too, to see if they can count or not. Um, you, you just put an unexpected number of items in front of them and see if they stare at it longer. And if something's not right, if something's amiss, they tend to stare longer as if they're thinking, you know, what the? So, yes, I I believe there are experiments with cats that have shown that. (laughs) Do you think some types of cats, like certain breeds, are smarter than others? And if so, where would the -the run-of-the-mill cat, the domestic short-haired that we all have in our house, where do they rank compared to, say, what I would describe as the whiny, manipulative, needy Siamese or the independent, (laughs) you know, like there's different, different personalities, right? Yeah, well, I've had a disproportionate amount of Siamese cats to train in my career. I've hardly ever had to train a domestic short hair, if ever, but the Siamese come rolling in, you know, with their issues. So I I, I want to know from you, is there a a certain smarts in breeds? Okay, now, true confessions. I've only had one breed of cat in my life, which has been Siamese and oh, no. short hairs. Oh, I'm not coming to visit. I'm not coming to visit. They always seem pretty smart to me. me. I would walk in the door. It'd be all over me. I'm not visiting you. No, no, no. And then they, they figure out that if, if they make it sound like mum... It gets to me more, mom, mom, oh, and yes. then I think it's or, my kids, you know. Milk. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, so, but is there evidence that, that some breeds are smarter than others or not really? I think there, there, you know, probably are some breeds that are more adept at certain things than others. Uh, 
I'm not going to get myself in hot water by pointing yeah. out the <laughs> ones in particular. But probably the differences aren't as great as you see in dogs because dogs have been selectively bred to do various jobs, whereas cats, that degree of selection for, for job yeah. performance, you know, just really hasn't been there. So I, I, I think that, you know, if there are those differences, they're more in activity level than in intelligence per se. And there's the odd cat that really stands out, like hairless, or the cat that's bred to swim, or a cat that now they're marketing as some descendant of the tiger, you know, these odd ones. But basically what you're saying is, uh, because they were bred for looks, not for chores, they're not for function in the same way, there isn't this huge difference. Yeah, I mean, I expect there are some, but they're just not. For instance, in your example of pointing, um, yeah. Studies have shown not all breeds do understand pointing. Yeah, I can I can point until I am blue in the face until my finger is <laughs> one inch from the object, they and my dogs still look at my finger. Your dogs? <laughs> what kind of dogs? <laughs> my Salukis. They. Oh, well, oh, please. Oh, my goodness. Okay, you know what, though? I could teach them pretty quick because that exercise you told me about once where you take the bag and you run around with the bag and they Mm -hmm. love the bag. Okay, if you were to have someone else have the bag and they don't know that they have the bag and then when you point, where you point, the bag appears, they would start following your point. You just have to teach them it matters. They don't know it matters yet. That could be. That could be because (laughs) I don't know that sometimes I've tried to point, look, a deer. And like, oh, no. Where? On your finger? Where? Where? Oh, my goodness. It's like, okay, legs are on, braid is off. Let's make a switch. Turn the braid on. Turn the braid on. Oh, boy. All right. Well, you've got your hands full. Salukis and, and Siamese. Jeez. Whoa. Yeah. What was I you, thinking? You've got mind games going on all over your house. Who can be more aloof? Who can be more needy? Oh, let's see. Let's pull mummy's strings. My goodness. I've always said my Do they get a lot? cats have been my best dogs and my Salukis have been my best cats. I don't doubt it. Do they, do they get along with each other? Um, they, they usually, yes. Um, usually. usually the Salukis have been in fear of the cats. Uh, now, I have had you know a mistake where I've had a litter of puppies when I was in a catless phase, and that's not good to raise them up without a cat because then they grow up not realizing that cats rule, <laughs> and they'd better do what the cat says. So, so that would be my advice if you do have a, a breed, especially like a sighthound that is kind of bred to chase small animals, you really yeah. need to have that kitten there from the time they're puppies. Uh-huh. Good, good advice, and get them experienced with it. Don't have a dog that just thinks everything little is uh, okay to kill, and you think it's yeah. funny. And then one day he's going to get loose and run right across the road and get killed, or catch up with somebody's little poodle cat. or yeah. cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's just—I mean, all you got to do is put on a leash and, and teach it right away that cats are your friend. He's not allowed to bite them or chase them or react to them. Cats are your friend. And usually there's one cat in the neighborhood who's needy for attention, who comes up to everybody, who twirls around your legs even when your dog is there. You know, use that cat. Muzzle your dog if you have to. That's fine. Have another person walk him. But get him to think that, okay, cats are not prey. Dogs are not prey. They're our friends. They won't figure it out if you don't show them. So that's really important. Okay, so where can they get this book? You can get it from Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, almost most bookstores but you know i'm lazy so i go to the internet and go to amazon I wonder if you know what we'll put a we'll put a link right up near this show 
So people who are listening, if they want, they can just click on it right right on the web page of this show, um, Animal Party on Pet Life Radio, and then you can get Why Do Cats Bury Their Poop and other questions that your kids will giggle their heads off when you answer. It's so funny, this book. So <laughs> there's so many in here. I start, I start laughing as I think about what my next question is. Do you think it's true that uh, the, the kind of traits that people say about cats, that they're like women? That they're finicky, that they're demanding, that they're fickle, that they're neat freaks, all these sorts of stereotypes. I mean, I find cats are very individual. Like, they all have yeah. different personalities. And, and not all cats are sort of the typical cat. And not all dogs are kind of the typical love me, love me, drooly, stupid dog. And yet, I see it simplified like that all the time. Men are dogs, women are cats. That's just not, it doesn't ring true for me. Does it ring true for you? Well, it really doesn't, but it could be, as you say, my selection of breeds because my my Salukis are very, very persnickety, very hard to please. And the cats, you know, of all my pets I've ever had, I you know, I, I think one would have saved, you know, would have risked his life for me, and that was a cat. <laughs> I think my dogs would be like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, you're being attacked." Uh, <laughs> but we we will be running away. Let us know how you make out. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Yeah, we'll come back in a week and see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. I hope it goes well for you. <laughs> oh no! But you know, and the cat, I, I think would have. You know, he would have stayed and fought and jumped on, on you know, anyone who was bothering me. So, so and, and the cats have been very affectionate. So I really don't think you can, I think. Well, you talk about walking to the, you talk about going for swims and having your cats follow you to the beach when you were a yeah, girl and watch cat. you swim and all this kind of stuff. Uh-huh. That's amazing. Whereas the um, dogs would be like, oh, well, don't get us wet when you come back. <laughs> No, I, I I just have my hair done. Excuse me. Exactly. <laughs> why, in your book, one of the questions I was surprised at, it says, why do cats hate car rides? And I have not felt that. Not all cats. So. Uh-huh. I don't know. Um, I've, my, I have taken cats on cross-country trips, and they got used to it, but it seems like, you know, probably most cats just don't get out and have that experience with car rides that most dogs do. But so many of them will sit there and just yowl their heads off. Um, but it could be because, oh, you're going for a car ride. Guess where you're going? Yeah, the vet. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, the vet, the groomer. You know, I have a cat, a black cat, Sadie, who I took in because the shelter convinced me to. They said she keeps escaping. She just wants to be an outdoor cat. She'll live in your barn. I was like, I don't want another cat. I don't need another cat. I don't. Well, what if we drive her to you? What if we give you food for a month? What if you, please, please. Okay, so finally she came. She's supposed to be an outdoor cat. Within days, she's moved into the house. It's like, okay, now I have another cat. But she's one of these cats who she wants out, she wants in. She wants out, she wants in. She wants out, she wants in. All the time. Okay, so that's her. So, but she also loves to get in cars. When people stop here at huh. Camp Good Dog, even when they have dogs, even when they have like, you know, whoa, 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 arrivals, wow. she will crawl into their car and they will figure out when they leave here that they have her and drive back and say, is this your cat? And I'm, yes, it's my cat. I mean, and I had another one like that years ago cat named Domino and I lived in this city then and one day he went missing and I was really sad about this because he wasn't an outdoor cat he used to hang out on, on our porch but that was it mm-hmm. and one day he went missing on a Friday and he came back on the Monday and the people came up and they said we're really sorry we were camping out at the Vancouver Folk Festival and we were here the week before 
and your cat hitched a ride with us. So we took him to the folk festival, and we brought him back when we figured it out. I hope that's okay. And I'm like, well, why don't you take me to the Vancouver Folk Festival? Holy moly, Domino, what a ride. He's probably like hunting rabbits and rats and in the park, you know. So not all cats hate cars, but uh, but I think you're right. Most of them think it's the vet. So I guess, how can we make them more comfortable? Just give them a little cage when they're in the car? That's probably so. Yeah, an enclosed cage. Have them ride up closer to the front so they don't have all that swaying and bumping that you get in the back of the car. And, you know, the problem is it's kind of hard to take cats to a lot of fun places. Like, oh, today we're going to the cat park. <laughs> Where you will be eaten? Yeah. Yeah. No, I see people do really silly things like take a ferret to a dog park. I mean, even Ooh. if your ferret is good, are you crazy? Once at the Great Canadian Pet Fair, which had a huge big building for the cats and a whole outdoor fair for the dogs, someone brought a ferret on a leash and wanted to walk through both areas. Like, okay, man. You know, give your head a oh shake, right? This is That's- just not good. I'm on the main stage with untrained dogs thinking, oh, no, this is like a Disney film gone wrong. This is going to be brutal. There's children everywhere. There's going to be bloodshed. You know, but we had security walk them out. But uh, it's, uh, do, do cats yawn when we yawn? Do they get the yawn chain the way we do? You know, they've, you know, they've done studies that show that dogs uh, do catch yawns from people and vice versa. I don't think the exact studies have been done with cats, but you can sure do it yourself and find out. And when I've tried it with my cats, they haven't done it as reliably, but I do think they do catch yawns from people. So that's Well, I know one thing they will assignment. do. One thing they will do is if you look at a cat, if you walk into the room and you haven't seen the cat yet, and the cat likes you and you like the cat, and you look at it for a second and close your eyes and count one, two, three, and then open them again, if that cat likes you, He'll do it back at you. One, mm. two, three, and then open his eyes. And what's happening is you can try it on your own cats. If your cat doesn't like you, he may not do it. He'll just stare at you like, <laughs> please. But what you're saying to him, we think, is I trust you. I'm closing my eyes in your presence. And then he says it back. And, and you see this all the time with cats. You see them do it to each other when they walk into a room. Only if they like each other, though. So there's some more homework for you. Now, one thing I found out last week that I was so excited by, because I used to work a long time ago in uh, big game parks and places like that with large animals. It was actually a conservation society that was trying to restore to the area all the animals that were named in the Bible that had become endangered or, you know, or almost extinct. And so we worked with these big animals, and we had these great drugs that if an animal had a terrible, terrible infection of some kind, instead of having to give it, you know, a hyena or a baby, whatever, instead of having to catch it every day, twice a day, like we do our cats and our dogs and, you know, give it another dose and another dose and another. They had this great thing where they would eject it and it was somehow absorbed into the animal system. And then when it went into the the liver and the kidneys, it would be reabsorbed and reabsorbed. So it only needed one shot. Okay. So for years, I've been saying to my vet, please let that have come to veterinary medicine because I have these feral stray cats that I work with and they always need these meds that are like twice a day for 10 days or twice a day for 14 days. Okay. The first time, second time goes okay. And then you've got to do it with hockey gloves and assistance and it's a nightmare, right? These cats are really, really wild. So finally, for the first time ever, they have that. If your cat has some kind of runny nose problem, something they've called herpes, or it's not the same herpes we get, so don't worry. But if it has like bubbly saliva, constant sneezing, and a constant rhino issue with its nose and its mouth and its sinuses, there's good news. You can go to your vet and ask for this drug. They will give it a needle, 
and the drug will go into its system and be recirculated for a couple of weeks and your pet will be so much better and you won't have to catch it twice a day every day. So I'm so glad this has happened and it's finally trickled down to the little medicine and the little animals. Yeah, that's exciting stuff. My, my friend right now is trying to treat a barn, a feral barn cat who's, you know, barely got the nerve to come up to her. And she's like, oh, I, I can treat him one time, but that'll be it. Well, that, and, and that's exactly go. what it is. So trap him, get him there, and give him this shot. That's a thing, right? When you know, you know, you, it's a condition that's easily treatable, but only if, you, if the animal's tame enough to accept medicine twice a day. And that's kind of a good lesson for us all. When you have dogs and cats, touch them all over their bodies every day. Make sure they'll let you do everything. Because someday you might need to do something, and you don't want your cat hiding in the rafters and refusing treatment. All right, Caroline, is there anything else you'd like us to mention before we go leave the party? Because I can see oh. they're giving the lights. They're calling last call. <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, we talk about training our dogs so much, and I think people forget that cats like to learn tricks, too. So some sort of thing. Oh, give us a trick. Party. Oh, well, you know, cats, can they can learn to sit. Of course, they can walk on leash or harness uh, better than a car. Uh, uh-huh. But you can use the same sort of thing to keep teach your cat to, to sit up just by enticing him up, and you can use a clicker and say, good boy, you know, and give him a, a really extra special treat. So you can teach your cat to beg, or, or well, cats don't beg, but to sit up. Right. Or do almost anything, and you know, like cat agility is now catching on as a sport. Oh, uh, cool. It's infant stages, but you know, that's going to be exciting because no one can cat out agile a cat. So my, no, my party word would be, go do something with your cat. He's He's ready. <laughs> they put everybody to shame. I mean, it doesn't matter who you compare them to. Humans, dogs, doesn't matter. Their vertical leap, their ability to endure falls, their everything athletic. They've got us trumped in spades. Absolutely. They're tremendous yeah. athletes. Look at the circus lions and tigers. Jump through flaming hoops. <laughs> I know, Your but then someone... jump through a hoop himself. But, but, you know, leave the flames off. Yes. Well, standard poodles could do that, too, though. We mustn't belittle the dogs too much. But it is pound for pound. If you imagine, if you imagine a dog a similar size to a cat, you see what I'm talking about. There's just no comparison physically. I mean, cats really, they're just, they're, they're just amazing athletes. The gymnastic ability, the flexibility, the strength, the agility. And that's actually not true for all cats, though. There are some cats who are just clumsy. There are some cats who fall down a lot or aren't athletic at all. And there are others who are absolutely amazing. Now, why do cats get stuck in trees? Is this a question you answer in your book? I know, which just came, just occurred to me. No, I think it is. Um, I'm trying to, re- to remember if I answered that or not. It's got like what a, more than 200 questions. So, so sometimes I'll sit there. I'll, you'll ask me something. I go, "Did I write that? I don't remember it." And this is actually one of them. I, you know, I I, <laughs> I do know that cats are very adept at climbing up. But without uh, practice, most of them don't know how to climb down. Their claws, you know, if they face head down, their claws are not meant to hang that way, right. and they just fall. So they've got to back down. But they're, you know, backing up is just not something most cats are good at doing. So they get, they get scared and they get stuck. And I think sometimes they're waiting. They're waiting till the thing that scared them up there is gone or till they're absolutely sure. They're waiting till they hear their owner come home or something. Mm-hmm. People yeah, think they're stuck. Yeah, yeah, no, they're watching the birds. It's fascinating. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so is catnip like marijuana? I don't think so. Is it? No, I don't. Well, it's certainly not chemically like marijuana. It's, you know, it's made of, of the chemical in it that's called, what is it? It's something like 
nepatolactone or something. I'm not a chemist, so I don't really know what that means. But, but cats um, can't OD on it, can they? They won't. No, they, they can't OD. They can't them, get addicted. It? They don't need a twelve-step program. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, not all cats even react to it. Little kittens, you know, under a certain age, under like six months age or so, they don't seem to react to it. And and apparently, there may be a genetic. Yes, I've heard that, that some cats yeah. just won't ever. And it's not that your cat is too uptight. He just doesn't have that physical... Exactly, he, he doesn't get doesn't it. <laughs> so, but no, it's not like marijuana. And I, I think they've boiled some catnip and made tea out of it for people. And people's like, you know, it yeah. just, just kind of makes us nice and laid back. Sleepy. Yeah, it's supposed to be a mild sedative. I know they recommend it or inorganic medicine for babies and things like that. Ah. Yeah, but I wouldn't try it at home. That's uh, It's more for the cats at home. I grow it here, and I grow it in a perimeter way so that my gardens, I have gardens that I don't want little rodents to eat up. And so what I do is I plant the catnip all around the garden. And the catnip's beautiful. It's purple. It's lovely. So I have sleeping cats all around my garden, and oh. then I don't have rodents inside my garden. That's, <laughs> so that's a great the idea. <laughs> well, for anyone doing gardening, you want to make a cat area that the cats will like. Sandy, dry, soft. Then they'll poop there. Then they'll avoid the rest of your garden. Make the rest of your garden where you don't want them. Rocky, sharp. Uh, They hate the smell of citrus. They don't like anything sharp or prickly, so intersperse Mm -hmm. things that are prickly and sharp, jagged rocks and things like that. They'll stay out of there. Water it so that it's not so dry, and then let them have that dusty, dry area, maybe where your herbs are, maybe behind them, you know, somewhere. If you really don't want the cat poop in the garden, or if you want to do like I do, you just do it at a big perimeter. Cat, Throw the catnip seed all around the outside, and you'll be amazed at how it cuts down. They eat bugs, too. I mean, they really keep the garden fresh. It's a good thing to have cats in your garden, I think. And they're okay. like a scare cat. They keep the birds away. Oh, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So monogamy is it for everybody. That's what we learned today. So we had a bit of a sexy party here. We talked about cats, and we talked about whether they're gay or not, and we talked about all kinds of things people wonder about cats, like why they have a funny little pad halfway up their foot, halfway up their leg. And if they get skunked, will tomato juice work? What do you think, Caroline? Most people are going with a mixture of hydrogen peroxide and Baking shampoo soda. and, oh, I forgot what the other ingredient Baking soda. Is. I've got the recipe here on page baking 56. Soda. You Thank say you. Yes. one quart the- hydrogen peroxide, one quarter cup baking soda, and one to two teaspoons liquid dish soap. So that's the mix that'll de-skunk your dog or cat. I've also recently heard, and I don't know if this works, but I've recently heard coffee grounds and coffee, like the espresso type, works uh-huh. really well. And that kind of oh. makes sense to me because you use it in the garden to take away acidity. That's so. right. And people have actually, you know, with dogs, people people are under the impression that they can hide drugs, you know, by putting coffee grounds around them. It doesn't work, but, but at least... <laughs> it hides it from humans. But so what? Yes. It does not hide it from a dog. That's ridiculous. No, it doesn't hide it from a dog, <laughs> but it probably hides it from some dogs. Oh, I don't know. Drug, drug <laughs> that wouldn't work. Are you kidding? Oh, boy. They sure underestimate the power of the dog. It's amazing. They do. And the cat. So if you want to teach your cat commands and tricks and games, first thing is teach it its name. When you come in and you know it's going to come to you, or when you're feeding it, you know it's going to come to you, say its name and call it. You know, Murphy, come, Lola, come, that kind of thing. And then pet it and reward it. Make sure you make it fun. Just do that for a week. Now you have a cat that comes. If you see your cat doing something adorable like that it likes to do, like wind around your legs or rub against you, assign a word to it. 
rub, 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 rub in the tub, something funny, it doesn't matter, you know, twist, 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 whatever it is, just use the word over and over again in conjunction with petting and baby talking and rewarding. And you don't even need treats, but you could give a treat if your cat likes treats, and you'll have a cat who does tricks in no time. Have you got some more for him, Caroline? Let's leave him with one more party trick. <laughs> one more party trick. I don't know. Let's see. What what could we we could teach them to meow? You know, because there you go. That's a good one. To meow more. <laughs> okay. How do we do that? Uh, well, you, that's one where you're probably going to have to wait until he meows and then give him a, a treat or you know his word that says, "Oh, good, a treat's coming," and then keep doing that. Now he's going to meow more and more, and you're going to be going out of your head saying, "How do I shut this cat up?" Well, now you're going to only uh, give him a reward. If he meows right after you tell him the command word to meow, you know, speak or whatever you're going to say. And if he just does it on his own, he doesn't get a treat anymore. So he's going to get all tough at that, and he's not going to meow on his own. The hard part is trying to find when, when do I think he's getting ready to meow, and then get that command right before he does it. Oh, you'll know. You'll know your cat. I mean, he'll go up to the glass door. Or he'll go up to the fridge. Or he'll, you know, you know. There you go. Uh-huh. He'll come up to you to wake you up in the middle of the night, that kind of thing. <laughs> but you want to make sure, you, like you say, you only reward it when you've asked for it, and you only reward it when it's a good thing. Don't reward him for waking you up at 3 in the morning. With exactly. A week. Oh, oh, that's your that trick of the week. <laughs> okay, everybody. So be good to your cats. And we've had a great party. It's been great, Caroline Coyle. It's so nice having you on the show again. And thanks for bringing all your cats, even though they're all Siamese, every single one of them. (laughs) Oh, you know what? Before we go, let me just ask you. Some people think if their cat is cross-eyed, it's not seeing right. I know it sees differently, but is it okay? Does it see all right? You know, it seems to see all right. The cat... Siamese cats have this different, their brain is actually different in the visual centers of the way their brain is hooked up between the two eyes, and probably a certain degree of that cross-eyedness is just sort of bringing the two visual images into sync there. So probably they see all right. What they don't see all right, the brain just sort of cancels out and ignores, and yeah, they see all right. Okay. So even though your cat is cross-eyed, he can see you. If you uncross <laughs> his eyes, yeah, if you uncross his eyes, he'd probably be confused. Because <laughs> yeah, he's in. used to it. His brain is adjusted. Okay. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know we'll have you back again because you've got other books like Silly Pet Tricks, and we'll have some fun with that in the future. But for now, the party's over, I hate to say. we got to find your coat and get your harnesses and your leashes for all your Siamese. Get those whiners out of my <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. At least they didn't spill anything this time. Siamese are famous for knocking things off counters just to get yeah. attention. So that was Caroline Coyle, Ph.D., author of Why Do Cats Bury Their Poop? And we've had her on before with Why Do Dogs Love Balls? And we'll have her on again. So I hope you guys enjoyed the party. I hope your cats and dogs were good. I hope you partied hardied. And we'll see you at the next party. Be good to your animals. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.